Hey, redheads and everyone else listening. I'm Stephanie. I'm Adrian, And today we are confirming if you are a redhead with blue eyes, are you the rarest in the world? There are a lot of people on social media that have been you know, bickering back and forth. We see it in the comments mm-hmm. um, that red hair and green eyes is the rarest, that maybe red hair and blue and brown eyes is the rarest. Um, we keep reading that red hair and blue eyes is the rarest. Stephanie and I have green eyes. So we're not over here like, you know, yeah, <laughs> trying to be the rarest because we're not because we have green eyes. But um, we are going to bring on an expert to tell us. Yes. So we have the pleasure of talking today with Professor Mark Elger. He is a professor of evolutionary biology at the University of Melbourne in Australia. And he got his PhD in evolutionary biology um, from the University of Cambridge in 1985. And his research focuses on animal behavior um, and evolutionary biology, which we will definitely ask him about because mm-hmm. it's something if you've never really heard the term, um, why he's an expert in this question on are, is red hair and blue eyes the rarest combination as well as are redheads going extinct? And we found him um, through an article the University of Melbourne actually published. And the title of the article is, Are Redheads with Blue Eyes Really Going Extinct? And he's featured in the article giving his expert advice. And we thought, oh my God, he'd be the perfect person to talk about this with. Because as Adrian said, anytime we do feature like a fun video showing like maybe five facts about redheads and one of them is about blue eyes, Mm -hmm. we do always get the backlash. Not bad. It's more just comments like, oh, yeah, I thought it wasn't blue eyes. So we are excited to have him on and he is the expert to talk to and explain also, our redheads going extinct, right? Exactly. And I think like that's what everyone brings up to to me personally. Like if we are out somewhere, like we meet someone and like they've never met a redhead, they're like, oh, I heard you're going extinct. And like that false fact has like really gone all over the place. So I think it's going to be really cool to talk to someone who is actually this is what they study they study Mm -hmm. evolutionary biology so like he's going to be able to say well due to these scientific facts this is why redheads would or would not go extinct and this is why redheads with blue eyes are the rarest or not the rarest and you will probably hear stephanie and i laugh from time to time when we hear any kind of like scientific, like if something's really scientific, yeah, like yeah. in the call notes, we're like, please break it down because we have like no science background. Yeah, yeah. Horrible science background as, you know, as children. Horrible, so horrible. A- anytime we talk to like a scientist or a, someone with a PhD or a doctor, it's always, we, we like to simplify things too, because if you're listening... I don't know, maybe you know right away everything that he talks about. That's great. But then for someone like Adrian and I, who really do need to um, simplify things when it comes to evolution and DNA and Mm -hmm. all of that. So let's give him a call. Now available eyebrow and lash products for redheads created by us, Adrian and Stephanie. Clean, paraben-free, vegan, made in the USA. Discover eyebrow gels and a precision pencil in universal red for all redheads, mascaras in auburn and brown with the tint of red, and so much more. 
Shop it all at shop.howtobearedhead.com. Hi, Professor Mark Elgar. It's Stephanie and Adrian Vendetti from the How to Be a Redhead podcast. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. And thank you very much for having me on your show. Yeah. And you are actually um, calling or video. We see you. Our listeners, of course, don't from Melbourne, Australia. So pretty cool. We've actually never had anyone on our podcast from Australia. So you're the first. And we talked about your bio um, prior to calling you. But so we thought we'd kick things off with our listeners asking you, what is evolutionary biology? Or what is an evolutionary biologist? It's probably easiest. I think lots of people call themselves evolutionary biologists. So to me, um, it's all about the kind of questions that you ask. And um, Darwin's theory of evolution provides us with a, a, a framework to answer why questions. Why do animals behave in the way they do? Why do um, insects have antennae? And and it also begs the question of how animals can do whatever they're doing as well. And of course, that requires an evolutionary explanation as well, because it has evolved from from um, from the past or their ancestors. So, as an evolutionary biologist, most of my area of interest is in um, actually an insect and spider behaviour and, and other characteristics. I'm asking questions why. So, for example. Um, I'm interested in the structure of uh, insect antennae. And so an immediate question is, why is there such diverse forms of antennae or structures of antennae, um, despite the fact that they all serve pretty much the same purpose, that is, of uh, supporting little receptors, chemical receptors that allow them to detect chemicals in the environment. And that that must be so, why, um, too, you were a credible source in the article that we, this is how we even found you. Um, but there was a yeah. study done at the University of Melbourne about why redheads with blue eyes or yes. redheads with blue eyes, if they're really going extinct. And so since you're an evolution, an evolutionary biologist, you're basically interested in why redheads it with blue eyes or if they're going extinct. So like the why behind that, correct? Yes, sort of. I mean, I'm a bit of a, uh, a very happy uh, talking with the media. I think actually um, engaging with the public is a really important part of being an academic. So um, I've got good relations with our media group. Mm. And so this was a question that uh, Nerissa um, from the media group um, thought was interesting and recognized that it was an evolutionary question and so she got in touch with me so but i have more than just a passing interest in redheads because um my daughter or one of my daughters is a redhead i was gonna oh. ask oh, you great. know what when i was reading the article i was like i wonder if he has a connection to redheads because you seem to really know a lot not that you wouldn't already but i was like it seems like i wonder if he did i thought about it when i was reading it yeah no, well, she doesn't at the moment because she bleached it. Although for a while it was both red and bleach. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I know redheads go through. Yes, that. I know that was oh. my reaction too. But anyway, I'm you know respect obviously respect her, her decision. So, and and I suppose in part I was a little bit surprised uh, to have a um, uh, a redheaded daughter. Her, her elder sister has mm. brown hair. Um, I used to have brown hair as well, but. Not anymore. Um, 
and um and it was a bit surprising that it was in the family and then when i started sort of thinking about it um uh my mum doesn't have red hair but my auntie does mm. and then on my dad's side um his um his sister doesn't have red hair but both of her daughters had uh, flaming red hair oh wow so it was so sort of around in our family and in my daughter's mum's line there's also a few red-headed people as well so knowing that and knowing that the gene for red hair um, is recessive mm-hmm. if, you've got, if you've got two parents that have because we have a you know, dual combination of, of genes from each chromosome. So if the combination is a recessive and a dominant, then the trait that's expressed is the dominant trait, so brown hair. But both of us um, were heterozygous, and so that meant that there was quite a good chance that um, half our children um, would have right. red hair. So oh, in many yeah. ways, what people say, oh, where did that red hair come from? And, um, in fact, it would have been uh, just as legitimate to say, oh, how surprising that Aris, her elder sister, had brown hair, Um, because it was just as likely Mm. under those circumstances. Okay. Yeah, I follow, Adrian. That makes sense. sense. I know that we've we've talked about it so much with our redhead community. So let's address the myth of our redheads going extinct. So are we a dying breed or not? Or are redhead genes always going to be there? Okay. So you say no. Yeah. So it's kind of Mm. just like a, a debate still within the redhead community on if we are not. So you say no, No. which is, which is good to hear. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. So, so I mean, there is a um, prevailing conventional, um, let's call it wisdom for um, convenience um, that because a particular trait is is rare, it's going to go extinct. It would be going extinct, or you could probably have a good shot at saying it was going extinct if over time it had been very common and then had become increasingly less common. And as an evolutionary biologist, you then say, well, what is it about red hair that that is reducing the reproductive success or the number of offspring that redheads are producing? And it could be, well, if it, you know, if we weren't hu- talking about humans, we'd probably say, well, maybe you know, there's an increased predation, or they're not not able to escape predators, or perhaps for some reason, having red hair reduces their capacity to um, reproduce in some way. Um, but um, that isn't obvious in humans. I mean, redheads, as I understand it, have stayed at a relatively low frequency in the population for a very long time. So there's no trend of them going extinct. Mm. But I alluded to the reason a little bit earlier on as to why um, why they're maintained. They're, it's a recessive trait. Now, I, I use that strictly as a, using a genetic term. Uh, many of you, if you kind of think back to biology in high school, might remember talking about dominant and and recessive genes. And it was mm-hmm. sort of big A and little mm-hmm. A. And everyone had a pair of genes. And so if you think again of redhead, redhead is only expressed when you've got uh, a combination of the two recessive genes, little A, little A, if you like, or little, yeah, no, little A, stay with little A, little A. But um, 
if you had big A, big A, then you'd have brown hair. But if you had big A, little A, you'd also have brown hair because brown hair is, uh, the genes for brown hair are dominant. Dominant, gotcha, uh, okay. I, I carry the genes for red hair, even though I don't have red hair, although I used to have a red beard. So it's expressed. It's not necessarily expressed, even though I carry the genes. And so that means that's why it'll continue. To get rid of it, you'd have to get rid of all redheads who are recessives mm. and all heterozygous oh. people as well. I know it's a huge population. So redheads are not going to go away. That's great. That's okay. actually really, that that's great, actually really that's good. great to hear. I have a question that is not on the call sheet, but I was just thinking about it. So say you're an example, right? You said you you had brown hair. For you to mm. carry the redhead gene, but you don't have red hair, but for you to carry it, you have to have both your mom and dad had to have it too for to give it to you? Or right. could you just get it from mm. one parent? No, I could have got, just got it from one parent. Oh, you could have. Okay. And probably I got it from... Probably I got it from... Actually, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. No, because... Um, oh, but you only need it from one. Okay. Let, let's, let, let's imagine then that my mum is heterozygous, so she's big A, little A. Okay. And my dad was homozygous for the dominant gene, big A, big A. Big a. Okay. Then the combinations that can come out of that are a combination of both big A, big A, but also big A, little A. Okay. And that's what I am heterozygous for it now it's actually infinitely more complicated than this because it's not a um the trait is not a um discrete trait like big a little a like well i mean the mendel's peas were sort of normally meant to be like that it's called a quantitative trait and so that's why you've got different kinds of redheads anything from the kind of strawberry blonde yeah to um you know a more auburn hair perhaps is it or, or sort of a lightly maybe the color of hair that i think you and stephanie have yeah or to the really flaming red hair of of um well like like my daughter had it's really really red i think which is why she didn't didn't feel comfortable right um, having it so you, so, you said so it's a you talked about it's that in the article it's a quantitative trait. Yeah, yeah it's a quant. Yeah. You, that's what you said. You said it was a quantitative trait. trait which you, this is what you said in the article, which means that depending yes. on which version of the mutation a person carries, so like big A, little right. A, 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 whatever it may be for your parents, there's a variation in the appearance of those who carry the gene, and that's why we have yes. different shades of red hair. Mm. That's, that's so cool. Okay. Okay. That's so. Cool. I mean, another example. So another example of a quantitative trait would be the length or your height, actually. Mm. Um, which uh, um, um, varies. Now, it varies in part because of your diet as you're um, uh, in your mum's uterus, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's also genetically determined. So tall people typically have tall offspring, mm -hmm. um, but the actual height is not identical. So, um, and sometimes, you know, um, a tall and a not so tall parents might have actually a very very tall um, offspring. Friends of mine, their daughter is much taller than both mum and dad. Right, right. I'm always surprised so when I see that. And it's not. It's regulating all of the genes that have something to do with development, and in the end, you get a thing called height. Mm. 
and you know, enormous amount of genes really are, are operating at this complex level. There's very few, I think, genes that where you can under, un, define, you know, the process under a, 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 a very simple, what's called Mendelian genetics. Okay. I had a question. So I'm, I'm pregnant with my, my second and mm. my son doesn't mm. have red hair. Thank no. you. My son doesn't have red hair. Um, my, obviously I do. My husband is not a redhead. He's brunette, but his grandmother was a redhead. Oh, okay. So, so is there chance. a chance? Yeah, yeah, it's a good chance. Oh, okay. Mm. Guess we'll have to see. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. That would be great. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um the chance is less less than fifty percent on average, I'd say. It's let's less assume, yeah. let's, assume okay. that you're, let's assume you're homozygous for brown hair or not red hair. Um and let's assume that your your husband is heterozygous, then uh there's a twenty five percent chance of your and and look these numbers are really playing around because you know, I, I suspect it's not, as I say, it's not Mendelian. So it's not quite as simple as, as uh, high school genetics might be. Um, but there's a chance, definitely. Okay, okay. That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, and, if, and if it doesn't work out, then you just have to use a dye. So there's a really big debate. Uh, redheads, our, our audience loves to talk about not only their red hair, obviously, but their eye color. And so there's yeah. always a debate when we say red hair and blue eyes is the rarest combination. It will flood in the comments. No, that's not true. Green eyes and red hair is the most common or brown eyes are the most common for such and such a reason. And we just keep reading that blue, blue eyes and red hair is the rarest mm. combination. So could you just yeah. for once and for all, just <laughs> tell our audience what is the well. rarest? <laughs> At the risk of of of, um, <laughs> of uh, upsetting the R of many of a large proportion of your listeners, um, I'll say this: the um, set of genes that um, that determine your hair color are separate from the set of genes that determine your eye color. Okay. Okay. And what you're looking at then is a very rare. Um, or sorry, comparatively rare um, genes for um, uh, for red hair, and and then to get on top of that, uh, the genes for um, for for being fair skinned, uh, sorry, for being um, blue eyed, just means that you kind of have to multiply those two probabilities um, to get the kind of probability of of having someone with both blue eyes and and red hair. Um, you know, it could be, for example, um, that your listeners who say, no, this is not actually a very rare occurrence, might be because they're in a family mm. in which mum and dad are both... Mm. Um, All uh, have blue eyes. Both have blue eyes and red hair, so right. it's very likely right. then that they will produce... Um, um, Blue-eyed redheads um, as offspring, um, but but the reality is, it you know it's two genetic systems, and one in particular, uh, the genes are quite um, rare. And I, I think in the article we we indicated what the probability of it of getting that is, 
um, it's quite small. So I, I think it was, you know, I think in the end there were millions of people, tens of millions of people globally that have that combination. And when you think of the total population of humans, mm. it's, um, it's, it's really unusual. Most people have brown eyes. And why are some and why are some traits like blue eyes or red hair um, more common in parts of UK, Northern Europe? Mm. Um, why why is that than say like South Southeast Asia? Yeah. Um, well, I think eye color is also uh, connected in some way to skin color, mm. um, and so okay. you would you would um, expect. Uh, a higher frequency, perhaps, of light-skinned blue eyes uh, in less less tropical or more northern or from the southern hemisphere, more southern climes. Um, it, to answer your question initially, though, I think the answer is we probably don't really know. Mm. Um, it could be a combination of, of people actually having a preference for their partners to have the same colour hair as there, and so it increase. Mm. You know, I mean, um, there's quite a strong tradition in Scotland of all the brave people having red hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, there could be, I don't know, I'm sure I'm offending, you know, reams of Scottish listeners right now, but um, uh, that that might be part of the explanation. But um, And the reason uh, red hair is, is uncommon in, in, in say, uh, Southeast Asia is simply because the gene has never made it over there, mm. except more recently. Right. Um, okay. And um, you know, as I say, to, to get red hair expressed would mean that your both um, parents would need to have carry that gene, even if it was not expressed. You know, brown hair. So. Okay, and that kind of brings up our next question into you know the gene making it in certain parts of the world. The article that estimates at what point in human history, red hair started showing up. So we're wondering, how can we know what someone's mm. hair color was thousands of years ago without having seen a photograph? Is that something that you can figure out from digging up skeletons and testing them? That's or really how, how does, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, how does that exactly work? So, um, I'm going to simplify a, a process massively. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Simplifying it is, is we great. We have no science we, background. <laughs> we have a horrible science background. And so, so yes. <laughs> so you can sample a whole lot of people. And, um, and what I mean by that is you, you take a DNA sample of them and uh, run them through fancy machines and they will give you a genetic profile of a whole range of genes uh, that you, that you would have. Now, if you then do that for a large group of people, you'll find that many genes are common to everybody, and that sort of says that they're really an ancestral gene. And other genes will not be common to everybody. They'll be um, perhaps uh, they'll go back in time to a particular ancestor, um, or rather, there'll be a clutch of individuals that have share a particular gene that is not shared by by other other people in your overall sample okay and um and then you can create with those data what we call a kind of phylogenetic tree and if you imagine right at the very base 
and then that splits off into, and then each of those branches splits off into, and so on. And you'll have then right at the other end, every individual in your sample. And that will then tell you um, when particular genes emerged, so how ancestral there are. So if everybody has the gene, then that'll be one right at the very base of the tree. Oh, okay. If only half the population have it, then it might be a bit further up. And if only two or three people have it, then it's going to be a much more recent mutation. Oh, okay. And then then the people that do this, they've got some very good ideas about um, mutation rates. Okay. And now those will vary for different kinds of genes. And this is where I'm really um, outside my area of expertise. But you can model or, or get an estimate, and that's why it's called an estimate, of the time it's taken since that mutation took place. And that's exactly what they've done in estimating when a gene for red hair would have emerged. Now, that won't be the, the moment that mutation occurred because it, it's got to build up in the population a little bit um, okay. before it's registered. And can I, I'll make an aside here. So um, many studies of, of genetics don't necessarily take into account the entire um, um, spectrum of, of humans. They tend to be fixed to particular groups of humans. And then many insights are then drawn out from those kinds of samples. And it's really, um, it's just increasingly, I think, in the medical world, they realize actually you need to sample right across the human uh, population in order to get really effective understanding of the evolution of particular genes. But this is how, um, in ten- generally speaking, this is how people have done it. They did it for, this is exactly the same process used for COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, to see all oh, the different variations. And, oh. and to see where the different variants mm. uh, might have emerged. Um, for me, as an evolutionary biologist, what's interesting about that is the geneticist just like tends to like to see that it's happened. But as an evolutionary biologist, I think the more interesting question is, why did Omicron spread so rapidly? Right. And the yeah. answer is probably because it had some kind of transmission capability that its predecessors didn't have. That was the adaptation it had. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry, okay. I digress. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that is fascinating. It really is. Um, it's something. It's, it's crazy because, it, like, I feel you know when you just brought up COVID and everything. I always think, or when you're at the doctor's office, I think. Thank goodness people go study medicine because I couldn't do it, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm listening to you speak, and I'm like, thank goodness there are people studying these, all of these yeah. genes because, yeah. like, we would have no idea, you know. It's so important. Mm-hmm. So thank you for all your, all your knowledge. This is great. This is great. Okay. Yeah, and is so a few random questions that Adrian and I were just thinking about. Um, is red hair recessive in other mammals like cats and dogs, or is it just humans? Do you know, I'm not sure I can answer that question. Um, okay. But when I, when, um, when, well, it immediately reminds me of something that um, <laughs> I probably rather unfairly did. Um, so we have a very good zoo here at Melbourne. I'm not a huge fan of the zoos, actually. I feel very ambivalent about them. Um, but, 
there's a very large enclosure with orangutans. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I sort of jokingly said to Celeste, so here are your closer ancestors to me because they have gorgeous red coats. Right. And um, you'd have and to And Celeste, imagine... sorry, Celeste is your daughter? Yes, sorry. Yeah, yes, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and a lot of the yeah, orangutans, so, um, didn't they die with your fires? Didn't they say like a lot of the wildlife died during no 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 koalas oh that was no. koalas. koalas in the wild. Oh. yeah no this is these are uh orangutans a large enclosure at, at melbourne too so I, I imagine that for them um red hair is is almost certainly a, a dominant gene mm. i mean i don't know that you get mm. orangutans without red hair ditto uh, my other favorite animal the red panda um, that has um, a gorgeous um, uh, red red fur. Oh. Check out pictures of it. Makes yeah. Do you go, do you have just um, look up red panda? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a the, red panda. My dog has uh, red I hair, and I swear, it, I when I when we first got him, I was like, it was the same oh color as me. So I was always like wondering if it's the same. Yeah. No. And, and look, I think so. I would. Imagine so border collies. My daughter, my daughter, my dog is a border collie, um, and um, she's predominantly um, black and and white. But actually, if you if you catch her hair in the sun, you can see that there's a a very very modest element of of red in there. Mm. And of course, there are some border collies that are. Um, uh, uh, um, entirely um, uh, red and uh, tan and and, um, and white. And honestly, I'm not sure what the genetics are of of that. Um, but I would hazard a guess that probably the red gene there would be recessive. Yeah. Um, and um, but I'm uh, just thinking through. I mean, there are lots of there are lots of animals that have. Uh, red feathers or um, mm-hmm. lots of birds, I should say. Well, birds are about animals. Um, and, uh, and, and that um, yes, I don't, I think I'm, I think I'm moving in an area where I probably <laughs> can't speak. <laughs> yeah. It's no problem. No, it's no, no problem. <laughs> I, I suspect that in some species it's dominant and in others it's not. Okay. A bit like, a bit like albino ism if that's the right word to use um so uh, occasionally you see a white um wallaby um and that's definitely a recessive Gee. and and or likewise um red deer um right. sometimes you see yeah. um a white um a white individual and that's that's expressed by a recessive gene and it's okay. very and are two red-headed parents guaranteed to have a red-headed child if they if if oh. they do have a you know is it almost like a hundred percent or is it more? Well, I'd put money on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, because they're both, um, both parents would have, would be homozygous for the yeah red alleles. Yeah, like our and dad was a redhead. There's, there's very little likelihood of their of a dominant allele. You know. Taking taking charge, as it were. Okay, yeah. Like our dad was a redhead; it's gray now. And then our mom, 
both um, maternal grandmothers had red hair. Our mom has so blonde hair, yeah. Our mom has blonde, yeah. So it kind of, I don't think it was a surprise for them, Adrian, when no. both of us mm. came out with red hair. No because of how dominant it is in our family. But uh, it's just so interesting. Adrian and I, on our dad's side, comes from a very Italian family. And our cousin had a, a daughter, maybe at eight, maybe she's eight or nine now. And both of them are, you know, brunette Italian. So then when they had this redheaded child, it was like, it's like unbelievable shot. red too. It's like the most fire. It's rendition. so bright. Yeah, it's it's yes. unbelievable. It's not an auburn. It's really bright. Yeah. yeah, my my daughter's hair was like that too. I hope she'll hey. go back. My um, half sister uh, and my half brother both have red hair, so I think it's definitely, um, from my perspective, um, comes down to my mum. And it must have been my stepdad must have been heterozygous for red hair as well. Yeah. But interestingly, and I, I don't know whether this is common amongst your listeners, but. Um, but Miranda's um, hair went grey when she was about 20, oh, wow. in her 20s. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, she continued to colour it, mm -hmm. um, so no one really knew. But um, And that probably came from her dad, uh, because he went silvery uh, very early in, in his life. Um, so, yeah, I know it's weird how all this happened. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you for telling mm. us, too, that we're... Red, um, that we're not going extinct. Yeah. I think that's oh, no, absolutely. That would be a disaster. I love red hair. I think it's gorgeous. Um, we you. we yeah. wanted to ask if you feel like it, you know, just from um, our conversation with you, our last question would be about your daughter. And, you, and, you know, a lot of parents have natural redhead children and they, one woman comes to mind, we were on a book tour in 2016 and we were in Texas and a woman came up to us. She was a parent just like you and her, daughter had you know very bright red hair and wanted to dye it black and she came to the book signing by herself and said what can what advice can I give her because I don't want her to dye it so what is your advice to parents who have children who dye it or want to dye it is it mm. is it just to be themselves and maybe they'll work their way out of it or what what was your how did you do that with your daughter well I don't think you argue with redheads I think that's the starting <laughs> point <laughs> That's very good answer. Um, <laughs> uh, Celeste was about seventeen, I think, when she she looked, and, yeah. and you know, I said, "Oh, I think that's a shame. I love the color of your hair." And um, but no, it's absolutely her um, her choice. It's her, her choice. hair, and I think um, you know that she was an age where um, if she wanted yeah. to color it, then that was her. I, I, you know, look, I think it's it's an endless. Um, juggling act as a parent, knowing when to step in and, and when to be supportive. Uh, I've always probably heard more on the supportive side than than um, I hope imposing my power over. Yeah, children. yeah. I dyed my hair platinum blonde for years when I was younger, and I think my parents <laughs> just wanted me to maybe get it out of my system. But before we wrap up, I did have one question. Adrian and I will make it one day to Australia. We have yet to take the journey there, but we do mm. definitely want to visit. Are there a lot of redheads in Melbourne? So there's a, um, an annual, um, oh, like redhead gathering. Day. Um, oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. if this is part of the international redhead. So we went okay. along there. We went along there once. Um, 
I think in, it was still fairly early days of of um, of the uh, event, and it was supported by a. Um, oh dear, I, it's, it's not going to make any sense. Anyway, it was supported by a, a company that made cider, I think, and um, oh, cool, um, and they. Uh, they had red somewhere in their in their product. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, um, yeah, no, that was and that was actually a very interesting event. You know, I, you 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 very. I felt very much in the minority. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, and I think it was also part of what they wanted to do was. I mean, a lot of redheads suffer um, at school. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, and typically suffer in silence. I was completely unaware of the amount of bullying that. That Celeste copped. Oh, I know. You know, a lot of it's really subtle. Like, for example, the very first comment um, that she had when she got to high school was "Ah, oh, ranger," which is an Australian expression yeah, for redheads. Yep. And you know, there we are, defined. I know. I mean, there's prejudice. You know, can be a lot worse and is a lot worse than that uh, for other groups of people. But um, it is a shame the way. Um, people like to assign in a in an unfriendly way. Um, so I, I was, you know, I thought actually what they were doing was quite empowering. I don't know that. I think Celeste might have briefly felt it empowering, but then basically thought, boy, you know, compared with other people, the mm. uh, prejudice against red hair is pretty mild. Yeah. Um, well. But yeah, no, there's 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 some. Um, yeah, no, there's plenty of redheads in Australia. You should come out here. Yeah, um, no, we definitely will. Fascinating place. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, well, thank you, Mark, for everything and for all of your knowledge. Um, I think our audience is really going to just love all the redhead facts. And it's just, you know, it's so cool because when you're a redhead, you don't even think about all of this cool stuff that's going on in your body or what it, what, well, like all, everything mm-hmm. that came together to make you. So I think that that's mm-hmm. what's so cool that we Pretty can take cool. from this. Yeah. Yeah. No, keep your red hair. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Okay. My pleasure. Now available eyebrow and lash products for redheads created by us, Adrian and Stephanie. Clean, paraben-free, vegan, made in the USA. Discover eyebrow gels and a precision pencil in universal red for all redheads. Mascaras in auburn and brown with a tint of red and so much more. Shop it all at shop.howtobearedhead.com. Okay, so we can confirm that redheads are not going extinct and that red hair and blue eyes is the rarest combination in the world. In the world. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, if you have green eyes like Adrian and I, or brown eyes, no matter your color, you know, you're, you're unique in, in your own way, but that is the rarest combination is blue eyes and But what I found really interesting that I never, ever, ever thought about was all the different shades of red hair are due to your genes. Mm. How much redhead of gene do you have? That's going to be how bold your red hair is. Yeah. Whereas some people who are strawberry blonde, like they don't have the gene as much. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, that is fascinating. Because there's so many different shades of red hair. And I feel like Stephanie and I are constantly talking about that because like when we're formulating products, we're like, okay, like for instance, the shampoo has to be for all shades of red hair, which is really mm-hmm. hard. And same with our eyebrow products and like our mascara products. Like we were constantly like, okay, all shades. And so today when he was saying that, I was like, I don't know why I just assumed 
that people were just born with different shades. Like we always say it's like a unique right. fingerprint, but I didn't know it actually right. had to do with how much of the redhead gene you have gives you your shade of red hair. That is yeah. so cool. That is fascinating. I know I learned so much talking with him, so I'm happy we could have him on and just get his expert advice when it comes to, you know, all of this, like we said earlier in the podcast, and any time that we feature anything about these facts and myths that you may read on social, you know, getting the experts to weigh yeah. in and share, okay, yes, this is true. No, this is not true. I mean, we have to listen to them, right? Like we, yeah. we can't just say, no, redheads are not going extinct. I mean, the fact, the fact that he has facts to back up what he's saying. So if you have red hair and blue eyes, you have a rare combination. So very, very rare. Yeah. And stuff he said he would put money on it that your, your soon to be girl might be a redhead. Did he say that? Or did he, he said I would put money on it. Okay. Yeah. Cause he said less than 50%. So when I heard that, I thought, Hmm. Yeah, you That's never know. That's kind of big, though. I mean, it's better than 5%. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I guess we'll have to see. Anything, you know, what I I think we've all learned, like, with the red hair gene especially, like, anything can really happen. So yeah. it's either, you know, a brunette, brunette parents have a redheaded child and they're shocked, or maybe it's a redhead doesn't have a redheaded child, you know, and they're also shocked. Yeah. So it could be... It could go anyway, but yeah, we'll share. We'll, well, we'll share, share the in news. the podcast note, Stephanie, what the what what ends up what, what her hair color is because by the yeah, time yeah. this goes live, she'll be here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but Steph, I wanted to know before we um go into questions, um, what advice would you give Doctor or Professor Elger's daughter who mm. dyed her hair because of bullying? I know she's been really teased. I know. I mean, if she, it's kind of what he said, you know, if she, if she loves her hair, it's kind of one of those things where her hair is beautiful and she should really, I would say embrace it because I used to dye my hair, but I can also understand if it also makes her feel really good to dye it. I mean, do you, you know, whatever makes you feel happy, but just know that people are spending so much money and wanting red hair. They're putting on, you know, fake freckles and they're doing all this stuff. So it can take a while maybe to really embrace your red hair, but just know that it is really unique and special. And so many people wish they had probably her color red hair. Um, So, so hopefully maybe, maybe she's listening and she's like, I'm going to actually, you know, go back to my natural roots. (laughs) Well, um, it's time for question and answers. So every day we get an array of questions from social media, comments, emails, direct messages, and we thought it would be fun to bring these to the How to Be a Redhead podcast. So we are here to answer a few more questions that we have received. Um, And so want to send in your questions, email h2barpodcast at gmail.com and we'll put that in the podcast notes or DM us on Instagram, TikTok, and ask us your question. And we'd love to answer it on the How to Be a Redhead podcast. So first question, Steph. Do all redheads feel connected in a way when you see another redhead on the street? And we received this question from on Instagram from Mila, which is a really great question. I feel like most redheads think, will... Steph? Like when you I... see another redhead on the street, are you like... 
hey like what do you think in your no, head no i i don't say hey i i think like we look at each other maybe yeah but i definitely think there's a glance yeah like oh she's a redhead or oh you know not so much i will say with guys because that's kind of different i mean i'm married you know what i mean like yeah. it's not like i'm looking at someone like oh redhead but something definitely with the woman to a woman i agree um, with that i agree with and, that and even i will say like if i see a little girl like Bo was at the playground like a couple of weeks ago and there was a girl with vibrant red hair and I didn't necessarily look at the little girl because the little girl was a little girl running around. But the mom and I kind of looked at each other and I was like, I kind of just, I didn't talk to her about the red hair, but it was almost like a connection like, oh my God, like you have red hair. My daughter has gorgeous red hair. So yeah, I do think that there is, they say like that secret club. I think that quote i don't know what exactly it is you know remember when julianne moore years ago said there's some like secret 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 club 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 with redheads and i do think that there is how about you yeah i think so i think you know this is really funny but i was at yoga last weekend with josh and for anyone who doesn't know like my husband is a redhead too and um that wasn't planned at all but I have to say that I thought it was so funny because there was a woman in yoga and she had she was she had red hair too. And so I was outside and we start chatting about being a redhead. And then Josh comes out and she goes, Oh, you married a redhead? And like I don't know why. She just like it kind of was an assumption that like I did it on purpose. And I was like, Oh, I, I mean it wasn't like on purpose. Like I just loved him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, him <laughs> but I don't know why I just thought about that because I think like people are so quick to connect like if you are a redhead dating a redhead that like it was a preference or I don't know if you have a friend who's a redhead I don't know why people just automatically assume that you're gonna like bond so hmm. I don't know why I just I noticed them like I noticed a redhead right away and I and yeah. I and I in my head I'm like oh pretty hair or I'll say something like about that person like oh pretty hair or, like pretty outfit or whatever whatever I think when I when I see them but um yeah it's definitely a thing yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So next question is from Andrea on Instagram. Is being a redhead with blue eyes actually rare? So, so happy that we got that question because Professor yeah. Elgar can confirm that it is the rarest combination. Um, so the next question is, is it true red hair goes white rather than gray? And we also received this question on Instagram and Adrian, that's kind of, that's been proven. Red actually goes white first. Yeah. As I think opposed majority, to other hair colors. Yeah. I think majority of redheads go white because like our, the way that our body, if I'm, if I'm correct, and I will find mm. this article that we have on our website. This was many years ago that we posted it. But I think, I think the way it works is that our hair is so rare that our body like when it's done making the red, it goes white. There's a specific reason why it goes white. Hmm. And maybe we should do a whole podcast on this. But like, I think the reason it goes white has something to do with like the... The melanin? Something a, with no, the melanin. No, no, that's... Yeah. No, that, no, no, the melanin is, skin? is with the skin. No, the skin. no, yeah. It has something to Duh. do with, with, the, with, the, with the uniqueness of the red hair, the way your body makes it, and then it just turns it into white. There's like hmm. a reason. But there are some redheads who do, do, who do go gray. But I think like the traditional shade that redheads will turn is white. And okay. I and I mean, I've always had strands of white hair since I've been in my teens, like just like little bits of white here and there. Yeah. So 
I can and confirm most, that I, I, yeah. I'm definitely going to go white, not gray. And most mature, you know, redheads in their um, later, you know, ages who are white now and are natural redheads that we know, you know, they're white now. So they turned white instead of yeah. your typical gray. But yeah, so it kind of just the gene of red hair is just so crazy. So love all your questions. Definitely keep them coming. And want to help us spread the news about the How to Be a Redhead brand in this podcast, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends, redheads, and everyone else to subscribe. You can listen to this podcast directly on our website, howtobearedhead.com, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to look at the podcast notes to find links with all the studies and the facts that we spoke about with Professor Elgar and so much more. Rock like a redhead. Rock like a redhead. redhead.